0: this morning upon verse 6 through to verse 10, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, so you may turn in a few Bibles or your own, own Bible. This morning, it, it would make two little connectors. If you were here on Tuesday evening, there will be a connection for you, and if you may be involved in camp on Monday following, there will be a connection as well. A little bit of a segue past and a segue into the future. And the segue in the past is the theme here this morning in this text of scripture is shining forth counter culturally. What does it mean to be countercultural? Very simple, it simply means to live in contrast to the prevailing predominant culture. Another Tuesday evening we were speaking of the predominant Western culture of today. And so there's your segue if you were there Tuesday evening. What we see here is an example of a church, of a Christian community that is living counterculturally, living against the grain in contrast to the presiding dominant culture of the ancient world, which is predominantly pagan, it's living at variance against that prevailing nexus of its culture. And you may have sensed that as we read Act Acts 17. So we're going to look at that. But we're also going to segue a little bit into the future, for those of you involved with camp and that we're going to see here the right way of learning from Bible characters as real people, Bible people, and how we should engage in imitating them. So, for those involved at camp, that's your segue. Let's look at four things from the perspective of Jesus. I want to use this first. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Let your light shine before men, let your light shine before others, that they will see your good works and glorify your Father. So there's the theme: shine out for the Lord in a culture that is counter to the culture of Jesus Christ and his people and the kingdom of God. Let's look at four things then that we see in the Thessalonian church that are counter-culture to the prevailing models of the time. The first is the year is a people. That are imitating the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, here are our people that are focused upon the new network of the Christian family. And third, they're running culture because they are evangelizing and testifying and shining their light into that culture. Evangelistic outward thrust from the inward to the outward. And then finally, These people are living with a different end goal than the prevailing predominant culture. They are counter culture because their hope is in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul begins it, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Paul loves language. Here's one of the great words to pick up from Paul. Imitation. Children know what Paul about imitation. Dad has a chainsaw. The son wants a chainsaw. Dad is working with screwdrivers, repairing. Out comes the child, set of plastic screwdrivers. Like that, so is the son is mimicking, imitation, reproduction, looking like something, to imitate, to look like it. We do it all the time. We even do it in our fashion, in our dress. It so it's better. But imitation is to look like, to imitate, to reproduce. And this is something that Paul commends church at Thessalonica, but it does present a couple little problems, and let's just think it through first. What is he saying? He says, I'm so grateful that you are now looking more and more like me, and you're looking like the Lord Jesus. Now, like that sort of rub you the wrong way slightly? Just think it through slightly. No, it's not about perhaps being as says, Paul's a short, stubby man, bad eyesight, bad stomach. It's not that. So what is it that they're looking so much alike? And exactly is it, Paul wants all a group of followers saying, ah, we follow Paul. No, we know Paul doesn't want that. He does not want his own followers, does he? He's not interested in that. Not at all. He works against that. Who does he want? He wants people to follow Jesus. He wants people to grow in the likeness of Jesus. So, what Paul is saying here has to be carefully handled, where you can get easily side and miss the of focus of what he's saying. When you look like Paul, he's saying, it is more like this In so far as I too look like Christ, you look like Christ. I see Christ in you. And what Paul is getting at is something that's found back in your Bible. You've got to turn back with me to see where Paul is is, is really going and would develop this uh, later. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. He is talking about, be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. Now, numbers are not inspired by the Holy Spirit, according to the chapters. And you'll notice in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1, it just doesn't quite fit. And what Paul is doing, he is concluding everything that comes before us in chapter 10, and this is his summary statement. And as somebody statement it it's beautiful. Be imitators of me, Paul, as I am of Christ. And so Paul is not saying, I am not interested in getting the tribe of Paul here together. I am interested in bringing out the tribe of Jesus Christ that looks like him, as I reflect him as well. And so Paul will get to that point. And that's what Matthew Henry makes it so clear in that one sentence he says, Christ our perfect example, the actions and conduct of men and women as related in the scriptures should be followed only so far as they are right to Jesus Christ. It's not about a worship of Paul or Silas or Timothy, it's not about a worship of Peter. Only so far as you see Christ in them are you drawn to Christ. It is a focus on Christ. And so we need to look at this very carefully. And as you come to the end of 1 Corinthians 10, reading at verse 31, which is a great text of the first question and answer of the shorter captives What what is the chief end of man. So whether you eat or drink, whether you, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews. Don't go around offending people with your opinion just because you want to create an offense. The offense is the cross of Jesus Christ. The offense isn't the tribe of Paul or something else. The offense is Jesus. That's what Paul is getting at. Give no offense to the Jew or to the Greek or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone and everything. Paul is a peacemaker. He is a bridge builder. Not seeking my own advantage. He is bearing and laying his life down. He is self-denying. Because he has looked at Jesus. He has been with Jesus. And as he has been with Jesus, he has seen the cross of crucifixion. And he crucifies his life. He denies his own right himself because he is busy imitating Jesus Christ as I am a Christ. As the world of Corinth, Thessalonica, Greece, Athens, Thessalonica looked at these people they saw something very different that they had never encountered in their culture. And what was it they were encountering in their culture? Jesus Christ. In Acts 11, for the very first time in Scripture, it is recorded, and they were first called Christians in Antioch. You can do studies on that, and you will find the basic, very basic, primary meaning is this. The people looked at them and said, little Christ little Christ little Christ is among us you see it was an imitation it was a reflection it was a reproduced likeness in some way probably in self-denial sacrifice pointing to the cross of Jesus and they, too, would lift up their cross in their own lives. And they sought peace with all men to reconcile them in the mother Christ. So Paul begins this, and he looks at this church in Macedonia, in northern Greece and Macedonia, and he looks at it and says, I see there a counterculture of the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But to be shown sure forth the likeness of Jesus Christ, you have to come to Him first. There are many people like reading Thomas de Kempis, the Dutch German writer, medievalist, the Imitation of Christ. It's not actually that easy of a work to read in a hundred chapters. But there's a fork in the road that many people fail to miss, as they read the book. And the fork in the road is this. It's a little bit of a Robert Frostian moment. You can go the road of Christ and embrace him by faith, love, and adoration. Or you can go the other folk in the road that rejects Jesus does not honor Christ, does not listen to him, that keeps going down to There's one great line in this great medieval work, and here is the line. The poorest of all is the one who lives without Jesus Christ and richest of all is the one who is close to Jesus Christ the communists recognized that there's a fork in the road the one fork is living loving, loving believing in Jesus and the other is no real love, relationship, or faith in Jesus. So Paul has seen something. These people have become rich. They have crossed from their culture of paganism and idolatry. And the sacrifices to numerous Greek and Roman gods. And they crossed over to an embrace, to a faith, to a love of Jesus Christ. And they can say, like Antipas, the riches of all is the one who is close to Jesus. And from that, that flows a new way of living the little Christ of Acts 11, the peaceable, the humble of Acts, and the first Corinthians 10, 32 and 33, the sacrificial, the offense of the cross, but bearing the cross, seeking a world of righteousness in Jesus, not the way of the world may. So Paul is not asking you become like him. He is asking you to become like him so far as there is a reflection of the one he worships the one he loves the one he lives up. Jesus Christ that is what he is saying. that is what he wants you to be that the question is very simple. If you want to come into the culture of Christ, from the culture of idolatry and paganism, the counter-culture that you were called to be, you, number one, you must embrace Jesus Christ by faith. You must worship him, and you must adore him. He must be the focus and the central aspect of your life secondly that imitation must begin to show in humility the likeness of sacrifice and denial of the way of the lord jesus christ as the apostle paul did. and that is going to run culture culture <coughs> to the culture that you will be i can predict it and guarantee it that is not the way of the world. Now Paul raised a second aspect out about this church in the seventh verse. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Well, let's look at this. They've got a new culture of a new family and they are moving over this new family relationship as goldsmiths, silversmiths, slaves, free, teachers, philosophers, housewives, servants, domestics, as they move over from the normal world of their prevailing religious and economic culture, they are finding themselves drawn into a new relationship of new people who have a common life in Jesus. And they're forming new networks. Can I throw that word out and put that word number verse 7 to make it contemporary for you? Do you hear people talking about, well, we're forming a network. This network is going to be about some health issue. This network is going to be about people who are interested in a common new food or a common new antioxidant Food that we're all going to be consuming. I'll show you how. I was told about spirulina this week. Now you can go home and see what it is. Maybe you're eating, drinking spirulina. I don't know. But there's a whole network now I discovered this week about the spirulina network. You can go and Google it and find all about it. People love common things, and so they form these networks of identity. The Christian world has its own identity. It's clear. It's concise. It's an identity that is new in Christ. And by being new in Christ, it wants to find, ah, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one. And it looks for and it forms those networks and brings them together. And it forms that new tribe of the Christian community. That's what was going on. Now you have to look at it and say, and so you can an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. here's two provinces, very large provinces. Northern Greece, Macedonia, part of what is now known as the new country of North Macedonia, the southern country of most of southern Greece. In these two regions, lots regions. Now let me explain what's going on here. Macedonia is an urban economic Struggle. Merchants, family, relatives, moving in and out. Merchants coming and going. They're travelers. They go from Thessalonica with their wares. They may go down to the city of Athens or Corinth. And, and the first thing they do is, yes, sell their wares. Is there a house here of Christians? You know, the people who are little Christ. Worshipping the one of the way, adoring, loving, fellowshipping, believing, turning their lives over to Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. And they seek them out. They're travelers, They want to have fellowship in the identity of those who are in Christ. There's a lot of identity groups out there. That the one that is spoken of here is the identity proof of being in Jesus. You can follow a lot of people, I do too. If you follow them so far as they lead you to Jesus Christ. And the priority isn't the name of the person that you're falling on your apple wire. The priority is, I'm in Christ. And I want to find the in Christ. That's what they were doing. And they became an example to others of this networking community. And as have said, commentator says, they were inspiring other people in the family. And it was transforming their inspiration. Well, that's, that's true. It is inspirational. When you, you meet fellow Christians, they lift you up. They inspire you. They sort of put you in the direction of what you should live and how you should go. And so this week at camp, that would be I thing. Yet, you would be saying, how do you imitate Paul? How do you imitate Peter? Lydia? Philip? You be inspired through them so that you're inspired to serve Jesus Christ and live for Him. And that's what they were doing. And, and so, you became a testimony, examples of inspiration to the believers that you circulated amongst and your network with, and you were with. Brett McCracken has written a new book. Maybe you've read it. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, I guess that's the theme, right? And in it, he said this, Christianity isn't just a solo affair. As much as we've made it that it is in our individualistic world. I'll just listen to the podcast culture. Christianity isn't compatible with just you and Jesus. Spirituality. Christianity is plural. Christianity is the family. The I And you see, what is emerging here is a counter-cultural family. Based upon a likeness, identity in and for and by Christ. And it crossed the generations, it crossed the economy, it crossed all kinds of people, racially and otherwise. And they became an example to each other and an inspiration to each other. Brothers and sisters, friends in Christ. When you read about the saints who have gone before you and the saints that are laboring even among us, and you find something that's wonderful and good, be inspired. Let impact you. Let that network of Christ community grow and hold together a true transformation and bless you. And I hear immediately someone saying, oh, it's, it's hard to get inspired from the Christians around me. It's hard to get inspired from those who have walked before me. And you have a little, well, a moment and you sort of say what Gandhi said when he was in Durban in Natal. I'd like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike Christ. Yeah, it's true. Don't deny, don't deny Gandhi. He he made a truthful statement.
1: He saw a very novel form of
0: Christianity, he saw a defective form of Christianity in in the town. And he wasn't drawn to it in any way, it is. it's sad, it's a tragedy, these are real, they happen, and in humility, we recognize that. But, it's not always that And don't take the exceptions, and the normalisms, and the negativities, and, you're Christians, you're so one like Christ, and then throw it up and say, I don't even have to come to Jesus. Or I can just do my own little thing. It's just me, Jesus, and souls. We're together. No mills. That's so biblical. You're starting with the exceptional cases and then you're going to work your way out That's That's childish. That's foolish. And Paul, by the Holy Spirit, has said, hey, you're network of Christians in these provinces truly inspiring one another to live sacrificially joyfully in the spirit amidst persecution that's why we read about Jason they had trouble finding bail for Jason they had to collect the money and give the bail so that they could jail the company out this is a new family that they have love for each other, that they inspire each other amidst the cultural tensions and declensions around that. We need each other. Because we inspire each other on them. Brother and sister, if you're in Christ, are you inspiring someone? Are you finding inspiration by the faithful lives of the saints who have gone before us? A networker are you a networker for the sake of the kingdom knowing what's going on who's out there where they are because you need them as they need you in jesus paul's community was come to culture They all also saw a cultural community that was outward moving to the unbeliever. It's not one or the other, it's both. They were inward focused, yes, finding the network of community, knowing where they are, finding them, seeking them out, being inspired by them. But, look at the very next verse. where not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. What he's all saying is says he takes a beautiful word, which is the sound of the trumpet, forget all the stops of the trumpet, there's one sound, and there's a clear sound, and there's a loud sound, and he's saying, you are sounding the word of God to this unbelieving, pagan culture. Do you see it? Right there. There is the inward strength of the community of God, fortifying the saints, inspiring the saints, to live for Jesus Christ in righteousness of Him, but in that there is also the outward trust, the mission of the trumpet, the echo of the sound, and it's reverberating from the mountains of Macedonia and it's bouncing back and forth. The word is going out. The good news of Jesus the way of the Lord, and it's going out. There's also a clear example that it was verbal. Alexander the the great Baptist preacher, would said that the gospel needs to be passed from human lips. Lips were speaking in order that it may reach deaf use. The purpose for which we have been apprehended in Jesus Christ is not merely our own personal salvation. It is for a greater purpose. The glory of the Lord manifested amongst the nations. And there is the echoing sound. The word is going out in clarity of the gospel. Not confused, not compromised, but a loud noise, a loud sound, and it's penetrating into a counter-cultural situation of paganism. No different than today. as the merchants moved, as the family moved, as the evangelists moved, the verbal word moved. And their example, of the we are being with Jesus. And we want you to come to Him. And so they move forward rapidly. Fourthly, finally to wrap up here, there's something else that's different in the very tenth verse. They were imitating Christ. They were the example of inspiration through the whole networking Christian family. They had an outward trust and focus. They were shining out the light to mix the metaphor. They were sounding a trumpet now, But they lived very differently because people didn't understand them. They talked about eternity with Jesus. Now, verse 10... It's very simple, and to wait for His Son from heaven, to be raised from the, of the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath of God. This is not a controversial verse. Don't make it a controversial verse. It is plain, it is direct, it is to the point. Jesus is coming back. You don't know the day, nor do I. He is coming back, and it will be a tremendous phenomenon of supernatural grandeur. But I may be dead before he comes back. You might too. So, you're going to come to a river. And death, And as you come to that river, you're going to take a boat across that river to the other side of eternity. And as you're going on that river, you'll be asked and you'll be inquired of. Now, did you make enough sacrifices in your life to your pagan god? Did you burn enough incense? Did you give up enough silver and gold to your idols? Well, I think I did. I think I did. Then you can cross over, get out of the boat, and turn up in eternity. Now, many pagans that were living in that time period probably up. I give so much of my money to this god, that god, that god. I have a few of them at my door of my house, so that you can see them when you come in. And I have a few more inside, in the lounge, the living room. And I'll give some money to them, and I'll sacrifice them, I'll go down the road to the temple, but I'm going to hedge my balance. I'll give a little bit to this one, and I'm going to go down the road, and I'm going to give a little bit to this one. And if I spread it out enough, you know, I think the gods will be pleased I the way to eternity. You now you've sort of bought your way and done some works of good. But there's another culture that's emerging. That's right there. And here's this other culture. You're going to die. You're going to go across the Jordan River. You're going to go into eternity. The real question is this Do you know that you're going to go into eternity with Jesus? And the answer that they gave was Yes, I know. I know. Why? Because Jesus has gone before me. And because Jesus is all my righteousness, it's not about giving money to five different gods or goddesses. It's about Jesus who has gone before me. He may come back for me. That I'm going to do with him. Whether he comes back or whether I should die first. And he will do that. What do you notice? Do you notice something from verse 4 to verse 10? It's all about. It's not about, it is about Jesus Christ. And Jesus delivers us to the right to God. There's optimism. There's hope. There's confidence. It's not about me. And what I do. That's what he has done and finished on my behalf. And so, these people of Thessalonica, I can tell you, they hold their accomplishments in a very different way, they hold their possessions in a very different way. They're not possessed by what they possess, or by what they accomplish. For they are possessed by Jesus. Luther said it nicely, that goods and kindreds go, this moral life also, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. And Jason has received them, and they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And Caesar has come and gone. A king, Jesus, reigns eternally. What a culture. We are a people who are countercultural people. We always have been. And so we will continue to be. The believers stand out because of their love, faith, and adoration and imitation, goals toward the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our greatest apologetic to the world that needs Christ. The believers stand out, shine forth, because of their exemplary relations to fellow believers. They're concerned, their inspirational concern and love for one another, God's people, and true believers sound forth differently in a culture because they're concerned about people without the knowledge of Christ. And true believers live in contrast to the prevailing culture, which is materialist, world-centered, worldly good works, good accomplishments but it's void of assurance hope and the king of kings so yes at times we will see as with the Thessalonian Christians the way of Christ the way of the cross is counter culture to the prevailing norm Tribes of this world. Shine forth, sound forth for the glory of Christ on that brother's.